Hello and welcome back to Alchemy, the home of the open mind. I have a very interesting guest on today's show and I hope it will make for a very interesting show. I've no doubt that it will. In all my years of listening to alternative media, I have yet to hear the perspective firsthand of a young person speaking about the world in which we live. Well, we have just such a guest and I think we're breaking new ground with it. And I'm very pleased to welcome to Alchemy, Aaron O'Dea. Aaron, how are you? Grand. I'm great. As many of you can tell by the accent, uh, Aaron doesn't live too far away from me. Um, we're, we're both Irish men and we're going to have a very interesting conversation. By the way, if we use any colloquialisms that are specifically Irish, people can feel free to get in touch on social media. And uh, in the next show or the, the coming shows, I'll try and translate for you. But anyway, we'll do our best to keep it as generic in terms of English <laughs> as possible. So, Aaron, there's a question I ask everybody on Alchemy when they come on for the first time. And that is, how did you get from from where you were to where you are now? Well, um, I'm a musician and I think if you ask a musician how he got into music, he's probably going to say I got guitar lessons or I learned piano at some point. But um, um, I think my introduction to music started about a couple of hours after I was born and I heard music. How long ago were you born to use the Gregorian calendar? (laughs) Um, I'm 15. Okay. 15 years ago. And... The first piece of music I heard was Govinda by Cool Shaker, apparently. I don't remember, but apparently that's what happened. Unless it was, you know, it's 2002, maybe it was just Lose Yourself by Eminem on the radio, but hopefully it was Govinda by Cool Shaker. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my introduction to music in terms of playing music started when I was around nine. And I started in terms of in, into show business, I was very much into the arts. And I was originally a a magician and I learned magic when I was around seven. My dad taught me how to do a card trick and from there I started learning magic. And when I was around nine, I entered a classical singing competition, like a choral competition. And everyone was singing PAA Zoo and classical songs like that. And I sang I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And um, I got like highly commended or something, which is like fifth place or something like that. And then I entered again and got fourth place. And then on the final year, it was around 12 when I entered last, I got nowhere. <laughs> but uh, it didn't really stop me. I thought I just decided the competition was a load of crap and <laughs> moved on. Yeah, that was my introduction to music. The first instrument I learned were the drums, which is relatively unusual. For, from, for a musician but the drums were the first instrument I learned so yeah that's, that's was how, there anything that's in particular that attracted you to the drums as opposed to I mean I know growing up in Ireland we're normally directed towards the tin whistle or maybe the recorder or, yeah. or some of these supposedly more simplistic instruments what was it about the drums that attracted you I genuinely don't know my next door neighbour was a drummer mm-hmm. and he wasn't a kit player I ended up playing kit uh, he wasn't a kit player. He had never touched a kit in his life. And he was a Brazilian-style percussionist. Mm. And so I was learning 
to play on one drum, to play on a snare drum for about two years and hadn't touched a, a drum kit. But I have absolutely no idea how, why, I, I don't, looking back, I don't understand why I would have been attracted to the drums. Like, in Ireland, we have this um, culture built around sport. Mm. And I went through, going through the GAA and going through hurling and hated it every second of it. For any listeners not in Ireland, uh, the GAA, uh, hurling and football, Gaelic football, are sports that are pretty unique to Ireland. So look them up online, you'll see what they're all about. But there are uh, a, lo- a lot of people who haven't been to Ireland or haven't been exposed to these por- sports think they're, they're pretty mad. They're not like any other sports really out there. But anyway, they're huge in Ireland. Yeah, and they're highly competitive. And I think I was sort of... Um, I, I like I, I did sports and I did football and I did hurling and I did I did basketball. I enjoyed basketball, but I think it was the GAA that turned me off competitiveness in general. Like I would, I, I don't enjoy competition at all, and I think it's because of of the GAA. It, it completely turned me off it. But um, yeah, music I think was always an attraction. But I was I was given piano lessons at one point, and I was uh, my dad is a rhythm guitar and he tried to teach me how to play the guitar a couple of times and I wasn't interested even remotely but for some reason the drums I really liked the drums and <laughs> oh how it changed because you're a multi a multi-instrumentalist now so what do you play? I play drums guitar bass piano and ukulele of course and kazoo and I sing <laughs> wow and for somebody who's involved in music for my profession um, I've heard Aaron many many times and not only does he play these instruments he plays them with aplomb he's, he's, he's an exceptionally gifted musician so any regular listeners to Alchemy will remember a show we did in the past with a guy called Des Carty and we talked about the schooling system and it was a Christmas special that we did um, we spoke about schooling uh, systems and the bonds that uh, tie us and all kinds of various bits and pieces. But we made specific reference to a school journal. We called it the Green Book. Aaron, this was your school journal that we actually spoke about. Okay, so I think that's a good starting point for us. Um, We've got 15-year-old Aaron O'Dea, a musician, sitting in front of me here in the studio. And it's rare that we have a guest in studio as well, so that's a, that's another new departure. And if anybody would like a bit of background to the interview, I, I recommend checking out the interview with Des Carty, the Christmas special from a couple of years back in which we discuss the journal. So give us a brief synopsis on what that green journal is all about, Aaron, because well, you have first-hand experience of this. Well, the green book is a specific journal that's allocated to every student in my school. I think it's exclusive to my school, but I think all schools have something similar to it. And it's a journal that documents everything the student does, first of all. It documents when the student goes to the toilet. It documents... Hang on a minute. Sorry to interject. This is something that I couldn't actually get my head around until I saw this book firsthand when we were doing the interview back then. Quite literally... You have to document when you go to the toilet yeah. in this book, okay? Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, the, th- this, this is Facebook in manual form almost. So tell us what else is in the book. It's, um, it documents all your, all your grades, all your tests, and specific comments that the teachers want to give to you. Um, it documents when you're late, doc- documents your behavior, documents all the times you're absent. So mm-hmm. anytime you weren't in school, anytime you were late for class, it's on record all the time. There's a lot of non-academic stuff in there as well that it tells you to oh, do yeah. and tells you what not to do. Tell us a little bit about well, that. Well, it has a series of contracts. 
Yeah, okay. For this the, is interesting. For the student and the parents to sign up to. So, um, I don't have it in front of me at the minute, but um, it details... Basically, it takes away the student's freedom and um, trains, the, trains the kid into signing contracts and signing away, signing away your freedom because... According to the contract by law, then the student has to abide by the school rules. So if a teacher asks the student to present their green book, then they present the green book for whatever reason. And, mm. if, the, and if the student doesn't do homework, then the, um, then the teacher can punish them whatever way they want. And if, if, if the school wanted, theoretically, they could sue the student for not doing homework. Because it would be in breach of a contract. And that's the thing. I mean, these are actually presented in the book as legally binding contracts. Yeah. This isn't just kind of small talk or airy-fairy, wishy-washy stuff. They're actual contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did, how did that make you feel? I mean, you're somebody who's very conscious and very aware compared to, certainly compared to the way I would have been at 15 years of age or any of my contemporaries or schoolmates. Um, I'd like to think that I have woken up a little bit since or become more self-aware and more aware of the world around me. Um, but you're very, very clued in to what's happening in the world. And I know you're an Alchemy listener as well, so you're familiar with a lot of the discussions that we have on this show. Um, how does it make you feel as a 15-year-old man, to be presented with something like this, with a contract, um, whereby you're essentially being told, if you don't do this, we're going to punish you in some way, despite the fact that you are so early into what presumably will be a very long life journey. Well, originally I felt intimidated, but I kind of got over it and laughed in, <laughs> and laughed in their faces. Um, so... In what yeah, way? I mean, literally laughed in their faces or in, no, through, through your actions? Through, through my songwriting, basically. Okay, yeah. right. Um, but, um, yeah, it is quite an intimidating environment to be in, to be presented with a contract at 12 or 13 when you go into secondary school and to be told. I remember the first day of secondary school. Secondary school would be roughly the equivalent of high school in the US yeah. just for any uh, US listeners. And I wasn't as intimidated as everyone else was clearly mm-hmm. because I had prepared myself mentally for the experience of being in secondary school. But it's taken me two years of secondary school not to be to be basically mentally free from um, the conditioning that goes on in schools, to not be constantly on edge about homework or being late or being on time, or basically what the what, what a teacher would think of you. So tell us a bit about that conditioning. Like what wh- what goes on in a typical Irish school and in your because the school that you're in is a typical Irish school. I mean th- this isn't anything exceptional for this country, and I'm sure it's not exceptional for most schools around the world, certainly the Western world. So what kind of conditioning did you become aware of very early on in your secondary school career, which commenced ar- around the age of like twelve or thirteen? Well, I became aware of the bell first of all, okay. which is kind of taken from Pavlov's dogs is um, conditioning someone to to change their behaviour on the basis of hearing a certain sound or a bell or, or a certain action happening. So I think that bell, because I think it's the teachers are more frustrated with the bell than the students are because the teachers are spend 40 minutes talking about a subject and then a bell goes and the subject is over and has to be started again. That's not how... Like if I sit down to record a song, 
it's I'm not going to go 40 minutes recording the song then I'm going to go off and skip and then I'm going to go off and dance and then I'm going to go off and learn a card trick mm. irrespective of how you feel about where you are in yeah. the process what that's going to do to the mind is that's going to the mind can focus on one thing and then that that focus is broken mm. from onto another thing so the mind can never actually fully concentrate on something mm-hmm. another another bit of conditioning that happened in school that really frustrates me um, and that I've spoken to the school about is how they they say the definition of learning is not what learning is in my opinion I think the, the, the state public school definition of learning is not what learning is and what that is is first of all to learn it's to learn to think for yourself mm-hmm. and students are not taught to think for themselves they're taught to regurgitate information we were in Irish class I think it was about a year ago and what we were doing was the teacher was copying from we have our Irish books we learn from books as well we don't actually so this is the Irish like, language Gaelic now yeah. um, as opposed to say a history class so you're talking about a language class here oh yeah and yeah. Irish no one is fluent in Irish you you go through um, you go through eight years in primary school of learning Irish, and you go through six years in secondary school of learning Irish, and you come out of secondary school and you can't speak a word of Irish. Mm. No one can speak a word of Irish. That's not an exaggeration in any in any way. There's no one. There's no sixth year I know who can speak Irish fluently. Yeah, it's incredible. The only real exceptions, there are Gaelskulina, which are Irish schools where all the subjects are taught through Irish. And generally, those students will come out of those schools with a very good level of Irish. But that is the exception to the rule. 99% of all students in Ireland who have learned, as you say, for that length of time, every single day of the week, supposedly learned a language, come out at the end of it, age 17 or 18, unable to speak any of that language. It's incredible. Why do you think that is? Because... What we were doing in Irish for first year and second year is we had the information, we had all the words like, you know, this word means this word, this mm. word means... I can't actually tell you what the words mean because I don't know because mm-hmm. I haven't been taught. Um, but a certain Irish word means a certain English word. And what the teacher did was she copied the words from the book onto the board. Exactly. Yeah. Copied the words onto the, onto the board from the book. We all have a book and said copy that from the board. Okay. And then, well, first of all, she's just wasted her time copying onto a board, and we have all the information in a book. Yeah. Why are we copying it into our copies? And what strikes me about that, Aaron, is that languages are live, living things. Think about how a child learns a language. They don't learn a language by be- being presented with a blackboard and by copying words. No. They start from an organic place of listening first and then trying to repeat. Does, does that happen at all in your experience in learning any language in school? No, the teachers speak English when they're teaching Irish. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they speak English when they're teaching French. Because if they start talking in French, no one will understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one has been taught how, how to speak French. And uh, French is another, another language we do and no one can speak French. Are the teachers fluent in these languages? I don't know because they've never spoken yeah. in those languages. You see, so. this, this might sound ridiculous to an educated listener, but this is the way things go on in school. I mean, quite literally, the teachers, in, in my experience certainly, the teachers were not fluent in the languages that they spoke, and in some cases barely had a word. I mean, it was regurgitating information and spitting it back out at students, and provided they got to tick their box, 
um, on whatever lesson plans they had to come up with. I, d- I don't really know the way the profession works, but yeah. as long as they fulfilled whatever criteria were laid down in the curriculum by the state and the education bodies and boards, well, then that constituted, in inverted commas, learning for the student, yeah? Yeah. And uh, if you look at geography class as well, we have a geography book and it's about 200 pages long. Mm-hmm. And I have about... I'd say I had about 11 copies every year. 11, like, 88-page copies. And I'm in third year now, and so I'm halfway through third year. So it's been two and a half years of geography class. Mm. And I've transposed, transcribed, about 50% of the geography book, about 100 pages, have been transcribed word for word into... About 22 copies. By direction of the teacher? By direction of the teacher. I didn't do it because I wanted to. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> um, and they're there somewhere in my room, like, at the very back So of the you room. must know everything about geography now. Yeah, I know nothing about geography. <laughs> <laughs> All I know about geography... We'll get into what I know about geography in a second um, concerning global warming. But um, that's all I know about geography. Okay, so one of your criticisms then of the education system, so-called, is that it doesn't teach critical learning, critical thought, trivium, um, logic, rhetoric, grammar, etc., etc. There's none of that. It's just repetition, okay? Yeah. Um, Right, so what subjects are thought? I mean, you've you've discussed the Irish language there and some other languages and geography, but there are certain subjects in school that are compulsory and there are others that you're given a choice. Tell us a little bit about the subjects and how many you have to do in a year or in a given day or what way that works. Well, there's quite a lot. There's um, the mandatory subjects are maths, English and Irish. Okay. So they're, they're forced down, down your throat from the age of five until 18. Mm. So school. presumably everybody loves those subjects then oh, as a result. Oh, Jesus. They're great. Yeah. Um, but... And there's also geography, science, history, religion is compulsory, French, and citizenship once a week. Hang on. Uh, Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I know I'm speaking a lot more than I usually would on this show, but citizenship. That yeah. certainly wasn't a class when I was in school. What is citizenship class? C- citizenship is a little upgrade. They, they tweak, they tweak the, the course every couple of years to make it seem like it's different. Okay. Um, it was originally CSPE last year it was CSPE what did that stand for? Um, what did it stand good question civics social personal education okay so um, and now they've changed it to just citizenship um, what's your understanding of a citizen or um, our citizenship yeah as opposed to what you're taught first of all I mean when you hear the word citizenship what what do you think? well well, my understanding is a person who is not a legal person is per- someone mm-hmm. owned by the state who has to abide by the state laws. Okay, so someone who's not free. Yeah, so all right, a slave. So, give me an insight. What do they teach you in citizenship class? Well, um, the same thing. Basically, they teach you in every other class, which is here's here's some uh, paragraphs of useless, useless information. Copy that into your copy. There's no real learning or teaching goes on at all. Like, what way do they dress up a class such as citizenship? Because I remember when I was in school, there were one or two um, 
so-called subjects that were seen as like DOS subjects, to use a colloquial term yeah. here, which would be a, a subject where you could relax and you wouldn't have an exam, you could take it easy. Religion would have been one of them because very few of us in school paid any real attention to it and there was no exam at the end of the year. Um, PE, physical education, would have been the same for a lot of people because, again, in Irish schools, when I was in school, sport wasn't taken very seriously unless you were in a specific, um, uh, say, a school that, that devoted a lot of attention to a particular sport, most of which didn't. So by the sounds of it, citizenship class sounds like one of those so-called DOS classes to me where nobody pays any attention because there are no real ramifications to doing well in it or, or otherwise. Is it like that or do people take it seriously? It does seem incredible that we go through our school careers looking for ways to skive off and to avoid the so-called learning when learning should be a fun thing. It should be something that we are naturally predisposed to as children are. Um, so... I mean, is it is it one of those classes? And if it is or if it isn't, how many other classes are like that? What's taken seriously by the students? What isn't taken seriously by the students in school? I think the number of DOS classes, like citizenship, is considered a DOS class and PE is. But um, that's about it. The rest are, like, subjects to stress out over. Okay. Subjects to worry about and study and study plans are given out and... You don't strike All me as that. the type of guy who worries too much about them, though. Well, like, you see, uh, I used to worry a lot more. Mm. But I, I kind of... You see, every day when you go into, into, into secondary school from first year to third year, you get told about this thing called the Junior Cert, which is the exam you do at the end of the three years. And it's apparently a very big exam. I'm doing it in about five weeks, and I couldn't care less. And... <laughs> But um, you're, you're told about this thing, this junior cert exam, and every day, so it's about 36 school weeks in a year, and every day teachers talk about how important it is to do well in this junior cert thing. And for about um, all the first year and half a second year, I took, took that seriously. Mm. And so that impact manifested itself in my subconscious. And so for the, the period like of the the second half of second year and the all of third year I've had to train myself into not caring <laughs> basically and not listening to all of the negativity surrounding um the junior certain how important it is to do well in exams I also discovered and I hadn't been told this that if I wanted to go away and work in some office somewhere and waste the rest of my life uh, working in some office or working um, as a civil servant or working as a teacher. Um, being a good citizen. Being a good citizen, like like what we learned in citizenship class. Um, I didn't have to do the junior cert and I didn't have to do the leaving cert. I could just go as a mature student to college, apparently, and then get my degree if I wanted a degree. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, there is a thing called a mature student. So the way the system works in Ireland is you do your junior cert, which is a state exam. You've described that. And then you do the leaving cert aged about 17 or 18. And depending on how well you do in the leaving cert, you may gain access then to college based on a points system that, that's in existence. And then you need to get your piece of paper and your degree and whatever else in college. And that gains you gain full employment then and you can be a success in your career and be a professional person and work in the office that you've described or whatever. But yeah, you're absolutely correct when you say that that actually doesn't matter because above the age of 23, 
you can go to college or university anyway as a mature student and you don't need any of these exams well, to, to gain access. So it, it makes a bit of a mockery of the exam system anyway that, that we are also petrified by when we're going through school, you well, being an yeah. exception. And that may not seem like I said that to my parents and mm. to, some, to some other people and it didn't seem like too much of it. Like, of course they knew, mm. but it didn't seem like it could have been taken as much of a shock to me. It was just passively said. Yeah. And I went absolutely mental. Because I had spent 11 years of school, I've been in school 11 years, um, with, the, with the notion that, let's say, I, d- I want to go and become a musician, mm-hmm. and, but if that doesn't work, then I have a plan B, which is what I, what I was told. If the, if, the, if the magic doesn't work and the music doesn't work, you can always look at teaching or you can look at... He can be a Garda or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I always had that notion that it did have some sort of importance to do the leaving cert, to do the junior cert. But it means that it's absolutely pointless. Mm. You come in, we come into school every day. And I'll tell you, it's very interesting. I, I only became aware of this when I, when I got to college. I didn't know about this in school. I mean, you, you've discovered this relatively young. This is not told to anybody in school. And... Most people don't seem to be aware of it until they come up to college and they realise, hang on a minute, I didn't actually need the Leaving Cert to get here because I could have gone away and followed my passion for a couple of years and then gone back if I wanted to, to go back to college. That's assuming someone doesn't want to go to college. A lot of people do and that's absolutely fine. But yeah, so so you've stumbled across this information which is treated in such a blasé way by those that do have the information but you actually copped what it meant very, very early. But we're not only not told what it is but I distinctly remember my history teacher Mm -hmm. saying you need the Leaving Cert to get into college which was a lie. Mm. Which was a blatant lie. It wasn't... It wasn't in any way coloured up. It wasn't fancied up. Hmm. It was just, you need it. And that was a lie, wasn't it? So, Well, it was. And speaking of lies and lying and school, is there anything else that has really struck you um, or that has been forced upon you, shoved down your throat? Or maybe not, maybe that's not the case, but that you see as a huge, blatant lie that is um, attempting to shape society and shape the youth of today. Something that can be anything. Maybe there's a couple of things, but is there anything at school that really stands out, speaking of lies, that's a big, big, fat lie? Well, there are absolutely loads of things. (laughs) (laughs) How long is a piece of string? Give us one or two of them there. I'll get to the big one at the end. (laughs) Okay. But um, one thing that I've found is religion. Religion's compulsory in Ireland, yeah? Yeah, it's completely okay. compulsory. It's a compul- compulsory subject, uh, even if you're an atheist like me. Right. And so I became an atheist when I was seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got really interested in astronomy when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, the priest came over and said something, and I don't remember exactly what it was he said, but I quoted um, The Life of Brian... <laughs> he's it, not it, the son of God he's a very naughty boy I said <laughs> that's the Monty Python film The Life of Brian or movie when, when I was seven and I don't think he he likes me anymore so <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think religion should not be taught in school because it it, it certainly shouldn't be taught alongside science or maths mm. because science and maths 
rely upon logic. Mm. And so if you look at, well, I won't get into everyone's belief systems and, and their opinions and, and what they think of religion. But religion is kind of based on belief systems, isn't it? Yet it's yeah. being taught as a subject, it's being taught as fact. Exactly, it's based on a belief system. And to believe something is to, the definition to believe something is to accept that something is true without any evidence. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is, um, which is completely illogical, but also reminds me of a book called 1984, which um, used a principle called double think, where you know something is true, but because an authority has told you that it's not true or that it's something else, you accept both realities at the same time, mm-hmm. and dwell on one when when you when it's convenient, and dwell on another when it's when it's convenient. So you're not using logic. It's a completely different form of thinking, and it's not it's not. Well, I don't agree with it. It's against my form of thinking. It's against general humanity form of thinking. Mm. So it's it's made to put someone else's values above your own, which is I think what it is not to be free to put someone else's values against your own um, and it is also to get into this is um, I've been looking at self-confidence and self-love mm-hmm. and to love yourself I've come, I've come to the conclusion is not to hold anyone else's values above your own to hold your values as the core of what you think. And self-love is connected to self-confidence. And I think school depreciates self-confidence. And you think that's a deliberate thing? Yeah. Why do you think they do that? I think um, because if you don't love yourself, you'll put the state's values above your own. Aha. Uh-huh. Back to citizenship and being a good citizen yeah. then, yeah. And that's exactly what I think. And I think the, the way they do it is by, through the uniform and through... Um, I've, we've all been given numbers now. I, rem- I remember the, the deputy principal came in today uh, in school and called, said Aaron O'D, 31315. And... Hang on a minute. <laughs> Sorry, again, I'm interge- interjecting, but uh, I mean, things have moved on since I was in school. You're, you're actually assigned a number. Yeah. That you're addressed by your number along with your name now. Yeah, by, if, you're, if you're addressed by uh, principal for... Why? Why? Why do they need to address you by the number? Do you, in your opinion, why do you think well, that is? You're given this number in third year over the uh, period of a couple of months. You're used to the number. The, you, this numbering reminds me of quite a lot of things. I mean, <laughs> social security in 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 the states. Um, dare I say it? Certain uh, certain things that went on in in Nazi Germany back in the day. I mean, prison. You're assigned a number in prison and, and your name isn't used. And like, you're assigned a uniform in prison. Exactly. And th- if, if I'm gathering what you're saying correctly, in your opinion, this is to kind of dissolve the sense of self and to have just th- this uniform robotic construct. I think that's the word I'm looking for, this yeah. construct in schools and to prepare people for what's out there in everyday life following school or do you think maybe for what's to come down the line in everyday life or what do you think the ultimate goal of this kind of conditioning is I don't know honestly mm-hmm. I've I've thought about that a lot I haven't come to that conclusion yet I don't know what the ultimate goal is I think that my suspicion at the moment is there isn't a goal it's just 
trying to control the society, trying trying to create a society. Because, and um, I think that it's purely for the sake of greed um, and power. Okay. I don't think it has a specific goal at the minute, mm. but it could. So, well, absolutely. If you've got control of a populace, then you can mold them to do whatever it is you want them to do. Presumably. Yeah. All I know is that in school you are indoctrinated. Mm. And um, what I mean by that is, first of all, they're bogged down with so much negativity. A, a student, I, I'd say I'm the happiest person in the whole school because I'm not affected by it anymore. I'm not affected by exam results. I'm not affected by numbers. I was speaking to the guidance counsellor about how the school can help me with my music. Okay. And he said, go to Trinity and get a degree. Trinity being a university, probably yeah, the, the, probably the most preeminent university in Ireland. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest college in, or university in Ireland. And we looked at it and said, okay, well, what can I do after my degree? And it said at the very, 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 very end of the course, the musicians have um, come on to become great composers and radio DJs. They do their, they do their four years and they go on to become a, a composer, do they? Mm. And how much do composers get? Not, not, they, don't, they don't write the stuff. They, they wave the stick. <laughs> and that... Conductor, you mean? Sorry, a conductor. A conductor, yeah. Jeez, yeah, a conductor. Um, so you're somebody who's, who's creative and you want to make music. You're asking your career guidance teacher for advice and guidance on how you can develop that further. Yeah. And you're basically being told, well, you can do this course and you'll, it's very prestigious and you can become a radio DJ or a conductor. Well, first of all, I don't want to be a radio DJ or a conductor. Okay, well, I mean, from what you've said to me, you want to make music. Yeah. Neither of those professions make it, music. Like, it didn't say become a session musician. Yeah. It didn't say become a producer. Yeah. Which is what I'd like to do. Mm. It didn't say they went on and built their, their fan base and went on tour. Mm. It said they became radio DJs and they became conductors after studying uh, music history. Oh, oh, music. Okay, so I also do music in school. Mm. I do the academic music in school and I do home ec. I chose home ec because I wanted to learn how to cook. Home, ec- home economics, yeah? Yeah, home okay. economics, yeah. Well, I just refer to it as home ec because... Okay. Um, or H-E. We've done a home ec- or we've done music in school and... As a multi-instrumentalist, my own producer, my own sound engineer, I think that the music curriculum is not just irrelevant to music. It is not music. It is not music even remotely. Um, The main, I'd say about, it it covers about 20% of the course, is a one piece, and it's called Stripsody. Have you heard of it? Since you're you're a DJ, and you, how long have you been DJing? Um, I've been DJing and making music now for over fifteen years. So you've been in the music industry for fifteen years. Have yeah. you heard of Stripsody? No, there, John. No. Well, I haven't heard of it either until until um until it was uh, pre- presented to me in the course. Um, maybe you can you can play it for the listeners. Chomp, chomp, 
Crunch, crunk, crack, crackle. Up, barf. Gosh. Deling, 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 deling. Deling, deling, ding, 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 ding. First, let's work a bit, go and bread. Crunch. Yes. Knock, knock, pop, ouch. to get you right. Mm, the weather tomorrow with music, Daddy. Sub. Mm. Knock, knock. Oh, smack. Grunt, sniff, glab, zbroom, crump, yes. Rumble. Zbab, zbrank, shrank at the shrap, slap, galop. Holy shit. Wow. Oh, right, I'm not really sure what to say. Surely they're taking the piss. <laughs> like, I mean, far be it from me to... This is your first time hearing it. This is yeah? genuinely my first time hearing it. I'd never heard of this before. How is this described to you? I mean, to me, that doesn't really sound like music. Yeah, yeah, it's creative. It's different. It's unique. Yeah, all those things. But... You've said this is a fifth of your music course in school, a three-year music course. Yeah. A fifth of it. What have I just listened to? You've listened to someone 
making sound effects with their mouth, going woof, 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 basically. And there isn't anything else to it. It doesn't have a story to it. And it's not the same sound effects every time. It's not even prepared. It's her making it up as she goes along. The people who set the curriculum are laughing at the students. They have yeah. to be. They have to be. That can't be serious. This, like, this is presented as a masterpiece. Like, this is presented al- alongside Mozart and... Surely when, when you were first exposed to this piece of music or whatever it is, everybody in the class laughed. Or, like, what was the reaction of the students? What was your reaction like? I think, um, well, the students... Yeah, the students did laugh a little bit, but they eventually took it seriously. Yeah, okay, so how did the teacher make them take it seriously? Oh, well, I d- this, is, this is spectacular stuff I don't to think, me. I don't think she had that much work in, in, because they've been conditioned, haven't they, to take whatever, whatever the schools say um, and take it as fact. And Interesting. Take it as, um, something to be taken seriously. But what this is, I think we had to memorise about three pages worth of it, of... of um, of a synopsis on what the piece was about in someone else's opinion. Uh, yeah. And um, I, can, I can remember a little bit. Stripsody uses the harsh dissonant interval of the augmented fourth. And now I have no idea what that means. Do you mm-hmm. know what that means? No, I don't. Specifically, I don't. <laughs> well, I was told to remember that. <laughs> and I don't know what it means. I mean, presumably it's something to do with music theory or whatever, but, yeah. I mean, you're not learning to play an instrument. You're, equally, you're not learning to bark like a dog. You're regurgitating somebody else's opinion on what to me seems like an outrageous comedy piece, maybe? or yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's satire. I don't know what it is. But well, to me, it's, it's certainly, to me, is not music. And, I mean, if somebody, if any of the listeners out there can get in touch and, and, and explain to me how that's on a music course or why that's on a music course in their own words, giving their own opinions as opposed to regurgitating what, what, what some curriculist says. Like, are you allowed to have an opinion yourself on that? Are you allowed to give your views in an exam or in a test or anything? Or do you just have to regurgitate the opinion that you are given on what this is meant to be? Oh, no, they say write about, write about stripsody. And you write, if I were to actually write about stripsody... Yeah. I'd get no marks. So you have to yeah, give yeah, the opinion of somebody else. Word for word. Word for word. Right. Do you know what? Like, this is the most blatant example of what goes on in yeah, schools mental, to me at the moment. Because I, I know about rote learning and I know about regurgitation and how it's not a real education. But this really seems to me like this is those that are setting the agenda laughing at the populace in general. This, this is incredible stuff. And I had no idea, by the way, that Aaron was going to come in and present this today. I, I, this is new to me. This, this reaction is genuine. Yeah. And in terms of the music, I'm completely outraged at music because I was looking forward to doing music in secondary school when I went in from primary school. And music practically, an actual, um, the practical side of music is about 10% of the whole course. And that, like, 10% of the course. So, And the 10% is playing recorder. Well, obviously, yeah. you, you choose recorder, so you'll get to choose the instrument you want well, to play, well, yeah? Well, no, because you're taught <laughs> whether you like it or not in, in class. You can choose what to do for the exam if you're, if you're uh, nice enough to the so, teacher. So the teacher <laughs> decides what instrument you get to play in music class? Yeah. Good Lord. I didn't do music in school, incidentally. I um, don't blame you. Yeah, but, but I didn't know it was like this. 
Okay, so you're someone who wants to do music for a career. Yeah. And that's why you've chosen music, and this is what you're presented with. Mm-hmm. What do you do in music class? Because you're, you're someone who's perfectly capable of, crit- of critical thought. You're very articulate and you're well able to express yourself. Surely this is extremely frustrating. I mean, what, what do you do in class? What do you say to the teacher? What, what do your uh, classmates think of this? I'm just intrigued. The thing about the teacher is, and I'm not trying to defame the teacher, mm. but she hasn't got a clue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> She can't sing. Mm. She can play piano. She can play piano well. Yet she doesn't let you do piano. She teaches you the recorder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, She can obviously play the recorder. And I was setting up for my music practical, which I did last week. Okay. Um, And I did did a load of rock songs, basically. Yeah. I I did what I wanted to do for the practical. And... There was a, a section where a person would be given a rhythm, mm. okay, on on a, a sheet of music, okay, and this would be crotchet, crotchets, quavers, semi quavers, whatever, and they'd have to tap that out in a snare drum. Now, that is not going to come in useful in music to tap a rhythm out unless you play from reading music. If you are a drummer. That's not how you. Um, that's not how you play your drums. Okay. You don't play uh, based on crotchets and quavers. You play um, based on syncopated rhythms or right. based on whatever rhythms you learn. Uh, but it's not. It doesn't follow the the um, the way the melody is played on a piano. Right. So this is to train you for playing piano, but to train you for playing half of classical piano. Okay. Okay, to play a melody on a piano, but not actually play a piano. To play it on a snare drum. So you're learning um, a half of piano <laughs> for, for, your, for your thing. And so they, they got it on, on the snare drum. And since I'm the only drummer in the school, and they have a drum kit, first of all, there, the tuning peg on the snare, there was no tuning peg on the snare. And I said, miss, it's missing a peg. And she said, oh, okay, what do we do to me? I said, well, get another peg. (laughs) We don't have any. (laughs) Okay, I'll bring one in. And I said, and it's it's totally out of tune. And she said, I don't think you need to tune drums. Okay, so basically what you're (laughs) dealing with here is somebody who hasn't, as you said, hasn't a notion of what they should be doing in order to teach you the subject that she is entrusted with teaching you. Like, it sounds a little bit like somebody learning to play basketball and they're taught how to throw the ball but not how to catch it. Yeah. You're given... It's like you're only given half of the equation. You're not even given half of the equation. You're given random bits mm. that you can do nothing with. Okay. It's like trying to do a jigsaw puzzle, a hundred piece jigsaw puzzle with 50 pieces. 50 so, random pieces. So I can sense your frustration and I'm feeling frustrated just just listening to you as well because I mean I I would be I would have severe difficulty with this. Um, (laughs) Do you voice that frustration in school? I mean who 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 are your sounding boards here? Does it get you in trouble? What what happens as a result of that frustration? Um, Or whatever emotions you experience as a result of school? 
My, my soundboards tend to be my friends and my parents, but... Mm. Um, I was told by a friend to stop talking about the system and stop talking about how school is just indoctrination <laughs> because it, um, because it's actually true <laughs> and it kind of grates on him because he doesn't want it to be true. Okay, so we're looking at a red pill, blue pill matrix scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah. some people just don't want to know the reality they're living in. Um Schooling is compulsory in Ireland. Completely. So, so you're, you're stuck in the place. You're sent there every day. Before we get on to what you plan about doing with your future, uh, despite that, the fact that you are stuck there for the next while, you did mention that you were going to keep the biggest lie. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the biggest yeah. lie in school. What, what is that? Well, it's um, global warming. Ah, so this old chestnut. It's... Um, okay, so... We had a science class one day. We had a new teacher. Okay, mm. and the old teacher, um, I wrote a song about the old teacher. And it's on my album. But the new teacher, we have, a, we had a new teacher, and she said, "I want you to do an essay on anything you've covered um, in second year or first year, and that's your homework, and, and, and send it in to me." And I did an essay on global warming. Okay. And global warming is covered in school on five different subjects. They, it comes up in five different subjects. It comes up in science. It comes up in geography. It comes up in religion. It comes up in home home economics. And it comes up in... Is it history? I think it comes up in... Okay. Jesus. So they're really drilling this, this major global issue into people. So this is how it went. Okay, so this is the essay that you presented. This is the essay I presented to the class. My essay on global warming. Bracket. It's all lies. Bracket. Dot, dot, dot. Hello. My name is Aaron O'Dee, and I'm not a scientist, but I do have a very strong opinion about everything, and you're welcome to it. I'm in third year now, but back in my days of being a young, naive second year, I learned a little bit about global warming, and I was genuinely concerned. For about 11 seconds, and then I copped on. Some of you might not know what global warming is. From what I've learned in school, global warming is the issue of the depletion of the ozone layer, which surrounds and protects the Earth from the sun's radiation. It's caused by carbon dioxide and other evil gases. So basically, carbon dioxide is putting holes in the ozone layer, and if carbon dioxide keeps doing that, the Earth will burn up and we're all going to die. I know, it sounds better when I use fancy language. So what's the scientific evidence for this claim? What with this being a science essay and all? Well, in the line of evidence, we have mainly three things. Made-up diagrams, which which we had to draw into our copies. One of the many things you can do with Photoshop. And climate change. From all the research I've done since my naive days of second year, climate change has been the only decent piece of evidence I could find. Well, actually I've changed my mind. Climate change is not a decent piece of evidence. In fact, I will go so far as to say it is not a piece of evidence at all. Let me explain. Politicians, environmentalists and other criminals say all the time that the climate is changing. But the climate is always changing. And I mean regardless of how many plastic bags we buy. In the 1400s there was a period which coincidentally wasn't mentioned in history class called the Little-Mini Ice Age where the temperature got much colder than it's ever gotten recently. During the Middle Ages, there was a period of, wait for it, warming. Global warming. 
the Middle Ages, 1,000 years ago. Oh, look, we're still here. Climate change has nothing to do with global warming. It's completely natural. I also personally have done some first-hand research on the weather. I took the entire weather forecast for the entire month of August 1952, which is over 60 years ago, and the weather forecast for August 2016. They were almost identical. I've also been told that plastic slash oil, which is the producer of carbon dioxide, is non-biodegradable. That means that it will never be broken down by nature. However, everything can be broken down by nature over time because everything has originally come from nature. Therefore, everything is part of nature and connected to nature. So how can oil slash carbon dioxide harm nature when oil slash carbon dioxide is nature? It's like trying to slap yourself in the face and make it painful. You can't do it. Try it. Ha! They're doing it. It has also been claimed by the state that the cause of global warming is the burning of oil slash carbon dioxide in factories. Yet more carbon dioxide comes from the ocean in one year than from any factory that has ever existed. And that is no exaggeration. Therefore, if carbon dioxide were depleting the ozone layer, the Earth would have destroyed itself at the beginning of time. NASA, who have been fear-mongering about global warming for ages, blatantly claimed on their website that there is, quote, no ozone layer over Australia. Not a whole, but absolutely no ozone layer over the entire continent of Australia. Basically, what they're saying is that everyone in Australia is dead. I have cousins in Australia, and NASA is telling me that they're dead. The big question, why? I don't know whether or not I've convinced you that global warming is happening, but let's just pretend for a second that it's not. The state, the media, slash propaganda machine, and the big corporations made it all up. Why would they do that? Good question. I'm glad I asked it to myself. Money, power, and control. The three things that the state, the media, and the corporations crave. Money. So what money do they get out of global warming? I looked it up online and found that the government actually charges a global warming tax but don't actually tell us what they spend it on. They also increase the prices in plastic and oil. For example, nowadays people foolishly pay for plastic bags, which they used to get for free. Power and control. People are forced to work extra long hours because of global warming. The possibility of the end of the world, slash global warming, makes people more afraid, therefore more submissive. Therefore they will do what they're told without question. Summary. Basically, what the government is doing is showing you a picture of cute polar bears like these. You're going, ah, they're so cute. The government are going, see these polar bears? You're going, yeah. The government are going, if you don't give us all your money, they will die. And you go, take it, take it all. Yeah, that's really all it is. Just a cheap trick. The world's not going to end anytime soon. Now you're free to focus on whatever you want to focus on and not be bound by the made-up ideologies of others. You can live your life to the full. Thanks for reading my essay on global warming and remember not to take it all too seriously. Alchemy. 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 Wow. What was the reaction like? I mean, you, you presented presumably what you're taught about climate change and global warming is, I mean, what you described at the start of that essay and that's what was expected back up. What was the reaction of your teacher like? Well, she spent about 15 minutes trying to prove me wrong and gave, sent me loads of links to go away with and said that I need to do new research right. on, my, on my topic. And, um, which is quite, quite, um, well, it's quite strange that, like, she's of a, a separate opinion to me, but she turned it into an argument. Okay. She didn't take my opinion and say, okay, that's his opinion. 
Right. Didn't respect that. Said, oh no, he's wrong. So, so your opinion is wrong? Yeah. Okay. Um, because it doesn't agree with the general opinion. Yeah. The state opinion. Her opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't agree with the facts, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, which is just another example of closed-mindedness. So that's basically the gist of what is taught in, in public schools. It, we're, we're taught irrelevant topics. We're, if we're taught music, we're not actually taught music. We're only given bits of the puzzle. If we're taught history, we're only taught one perspective on history. We're taught the victor's mm. perspective on history. And um, there was a fellow who came on your show who talks about Hitler a little bit, who, um, who I thought was very interesting because he, he presented a completely different perspective on Hitler which is a perspective that is completely tabooed in, um, in, in, the, in modern society. If you talk about Hitler and say, well, he, did, he, he, he put the Jews in the concentration camp because, because um, they are extremely rich, or they, or they um, were the cause of the Treaty of Versailles, or were they... Well, we won't get into the, all the details. Yeah, I think that's the greatest story never told. You can find the episode in the archives. Yeah. Um, yeah, in geography, we're taught to copy copy information down, just to copy information down. In Irish and French and languages, we're just taught to copy information down and not be able to speak the languages. So, Aaron, anyway. do, do you think there's anything of value then that comes from your schooling? Um, I mean, is, is there anything educational, in your opinion, that goes on? Is there anything that you will take into life post-school that you will be glad for that you don't think you could have um, come across information or knowledge or or some kind of guidance that you don't think you could have got or would have got otherwise? I mean, what's the value to you? I mean, obviously you see the system as extremely flawed, but is there anything for you of value in it? Are there any positives? Um, no. But um, <laughs> what uh, the general... I've been asked that, and it's like my granny has said it, and my mom has said it. Hmm. Uh, that that school is a great social thing, and you learn to, to socialize with people. And you yeah, learn we to, hear this all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, and you know, but um, it, it, that's like if you send a load of Jews to a concentration camp, you're not going to say, "Oh, it's a good social event for them because they're around lots of other Jews." So there you go. It's great. <laughs> Just to, to extrapolate further, we go into school at age what, whatever it is, five, six, depending on where you are. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've learned social skills up to that point. We finish school at 18, 19, whatever age we finish school. We continue to develop socially, in most cases, beyond school. So that in itself totally negates the argument. I mean, you, you've given a fine analogy there. It, it sounds laughable because it is laughable. Yeah. Uh, we do not need school to become socially adept. But you know what else I think is completely ironic about that statement? I think, and this is something I've been getting into, and it's a very emotional topic for me, because uh, I think school depletes your social skills. Because every day when you go into school, you are taught not to talk. You are taught to listen to the teacher and you, you spend the seven hours in school you, you talk at lunchtime and that's it yeah that's 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 about the only opportunity you get to speak and the rest is listening and absorbing all the crap information 
Is it any wonder then that people are glued to the mainstream news? Is it any wonder that people listen and look up to politicians and um, allow their their own personal power to dissolve before their very eyes? Because what you're describing to me is the breeding ground for the system that we talk about on this show so often. We talk about the adult system all the time, but this is where it comes from. You are describing where that comes from. Yeah, and... I think there's about 600 people in my school. And I would say that about 70% of them are depressed. I'm manic depressed. Well, mental health is a huge issue in Ireland. It's to the fore in Ireland at the moment. Yeah. Every, and, and, and there is a huge push on, on people becoming aware of it in specifically secondary schools. So tell yes. us a little bit about that. I mean, you've just said you think 70% of your peers are depressed. Why do you think that is and how does that manifest? Because they've been put under so much pressure from their parents, from teachers, to exceed in exams. Mm. Like it's as if these exams, which for the junior cert, I discovered that you don't even get a number anymore for the junior cert. If I I get like 88% in the junior cert, all I get back is an A. I got an A. You don't don't even even get the percentage anymore. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) uh, After three years of blood, sweat and tears from, from, from the kids. And I put work into it as well. Into the junior cert. Because how can you not? Because it's constant. Mm. All the time. And they've been put under so much pressure to exceed in exams, but it's become their world. And when they go home, like, there are, there are people in my class who will go into school, like wake up at half seven, get into school by nine and come home at four and then study from four to ten and then go to bed. Wow. For an exam that we've established doesn't even matter. Yes. Which which is a human life wasted, isn't it? Because they're going to go into school. They're going to spend all their day. It's all prescribed for them. Yeah, yeah. Studying. Or working mm. to something that they hate, mm-hmm. which they can't, they can't enjoy, even no matter how much they tell them to us, because they're basically abused by the teachers. Mm. So, um, you mean in a, uh, an emotional sense or a physical sense? Because in Irish schools, for many, many years, physical abuse was a thing. I, I think it's fairly safe to assume that that's a rarity now rather than yeah. the norm. Yeah, but but that happened in schools, the same schools. Yeah, sure. So. Um, no, 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 there's, there's no physical abuse, but there is verbal abuse and mental abuse mm. all the time. Okay. Like, I've had teachers swear at me. What would happen if you swore, swore as a teacher? Oh, God, <laughs> that'd be straight to the principal's office and straight to the, the board of whatever and the next department of this mm. and the department of that, and then, oh. Breach of contract, Bre- Aaron. Breach of contract, straight, straight to the courts or... Whatever. <laughs> I don't think they go... Okay. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and exactly. What, if, if, a teacher, if a teacher swore at me... Well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. But um, <laughs> if a teacher swore... Uh, if I swore at a teacher, like, it's a completely different reaction. Mm. And why is it students wear uniform and teachers don't? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And why is it that... Um, for for one thing, this is an interesting thing that stu- um, teachers are allowed to go into the student toilets, and te- and uh, student uh, students aren't allowed to go into the teachers' toilets. Okay, so 
So this this sounds weird. very much like a hierarch- hierarchical master-slave yeah, yeah, relationship. Word, the word hypocrisy comes to mind. Yeah. And is it any wonder then that when people come out of whatever number of years of, of schooling, yeah. they are well prepared for the nine to five slog. You've described a nine to, nine to four slog and then beyond and the stress of that. And people are able to go through God knows how many decades afterwards of slaving away in jobs that they don't particularly want to do. They've been well prepared for this, haven't they? Yeah, very well prepared. Yeah, from the age of four or five. Hmm. And what do you think then is the key to breaking the spell, if you like, Aaron? I mean, speak, speaking for yourself, you said you're not afraid anymore and you, you feel that your thought process has been freed from the shackles of schooling. Yeah. I would imagine it's safe to assume that that's a rarity amongst your peers and contemporaries. How do yeah. you think that can change? Um, well, basically, I think if you're asking me, if you were to ask me what was my ideal political world, because I, I went around to loads of my, 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 peop- my, my friends and, and asked them that because mm. I was interested. What's your ideal political world? And they all said, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but if you ask me what my ideal political world would be, it would be a world without politics. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I like that. So um, what that means is, um, I think a world without rules, mm. essentially, and anarchy. True anarchy, then, in, in, yeah. in, in the, the true sense of the word, really? because that's misconstrued all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting that you've said that to me, particularly at such an early stage of your life, because, I mean, I, I would discuss the, this with quite a lot of my friends, and any time I bring up the word anarchy, what comes back to me is, oh, well, there'd be chaos, and you're talking yeah. about chaos, and there'd be war, yeah. and er- everything would be burning in the streets. What's your perception of anarchy, Aaron? Well... My perception of anarchy, and I get that same image still when when uh, when I hear the word, mm. because basically propaganda. Yeah, it? it's uh, you know certain words are trained to give certain images off. But what an anarchy is is a world without the law, um, because the because the law isn't it doesn't really exist. Because, like I know I've broken the law. And I know you've probably broken the law. Not on a major scale. Like, well, I remember thinking when I was like seven and I killed a fly, right? Hmm. And then I thought, have I not just committed murder? Have I not just broken the law? I thought, well, think about all the people who, who've done that. Haven't they committed murder? Well, what, what makes a human life more valuable? What... What the law is, is a set of rules invented by someone else. A man or woman or whatever. Man-made rules, yeah. Yeah, man-made rules that are broken all the time. Aren't they? Yeah. So, now, there are other laws, which are the laws of nature. Yeah. And let's say, I want to fly. Just stand up and fly. That's not going to happen. But I could go and steal everything in this room and run off and then I could do it and I could be prosecuted mm. and end up in prison but I've still broken the law yeah <laughs> so it's not the law hasn't stopped you doing it yeah you can't break a law if it's a law so that's just a set of made up rules isn't it yeah I agree with you 
and and the school rules are the same they're just a minor version of that and I also think that morals have been completely misconstrued and say it's immoral our religion teacher said at one point it's immoral to film a film in the cinema (laughs) which is is completely misconstrued isn't it I mean it might be disrespectful to the people who've created the film and are trying to make a living off of it but no, I don't think no. natural law accounted for the money system and for no. cinemas and yeah. So, but what what laws are are putting someone else's values in front of your own, which, as I've, which comes back to self love and self confidence, mm. and it, it it shows a lack of self love if you put someone else's values above your own. You say, okay, well, I want to take that. Let's say there's bread there, and it's owned by some rich person and I I'm, I'm hungry and I don't have any money is it okay to steal it then? <laughs> right I'll throw something at you Robin Hood was a good man was he? <laughs> discuss what, what's your opinion on that Aaron? Robin Hood was a good man I don't know if you, I've never met him Let, let's <laughs> assume the story of Robin Hood who stole from the rich and gave to the poor yeah do you think he was a good man? what constitutes a good man? Hmm, good question yeah do you want to get the definition up since we're speaking English? Because, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did he, is that all he did? Maybe he was. Depends on your perspective. I don't, I don't know. I don't you know see, who he was. That, that's the thing. It's so rare that somebody will come back with the answer to a question, I don't know. And the reason I asked that question was because I knew you'd be honest. And this is what you don't get in school. This is what you don't get in society. It's what you often don't get from parents, from friends, from contemporaries. I don't know, or I was wrong. How often do we hear those words anymore? I was wrong. I don't yeah. know. Everybody seems to have to be an authority on everything, whether they are or they aren't. And the number of people that I've encountered, and I remember this from my schooling, I remember the, the, the number of times where, for example, I might be falsely accused of doing something by a teacher, and I patently knew that I was not in the wrong. Yeah. And I would fight my corner and I would have to deal then with the repercussions of doing that, which was generally some form of punishment because I dared to challenge and question authority. Someone who was posed as better than you. Exactly. Yeah. Because they wanted to impose their belief system or their thought process upon me. And just because they may have made a mistake, they're the boss, they're in charge and that can't change. They can never, they, they can never accede to my views. Yeah. And that's, that is, that is what, what society is. Essentially, that is what modern society is. But so, so what would happen, to come back to anarchism then? Yeah. What do you think would happen in an anarchistic society? I think that everyone would do whatever they wanted. And if I went and killed your sister, and you went after me and killed me, that's, that's, that's what would happen. Mm. like someone could be killed and then someone might kill someone else but that I actually no 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 actually no (laughs) I'm not sure because why would someone kill another person it's against your instinct to kill someone because Mm. that's what people are afraid of people are afraid that if you're in an anarchy in an anarchy um, will everything be chaos yeah well everything is chaos when there's something to fight against. So if there's nothing to fight against, if there are no rules being laid down, I don't think that there would be chaos. I think 
it would be peaceful. Hmm. Because, like, there are people, you know, you know you're, you have people in the class who are, like, the, the teachers are always picking on certain people who uh, are sit, always sit at the back of the class and, you know, the class clowns. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why they're the class clowns. Like, like you say, that guy's a dick. Right, he's a dick. Why is he a dick? He's a dick for a reason. There's always a reason. Huh. No matter what. It could be he's a dick because he has a lack of self-love and it's because no one um, seems to care for him or it's because he's getting so much pressure from academic stuff or his, he's not getting enough attention from his parents or mm. whatever. Mm. But there's always a reason. There's, I've, all, I've found. Yeah. And I was picked on when I was in school. And I was picked on because I was different. Right. Which is the reason why. But the other reason why I was picked on uh, because I was different is because I was doing my own thing and people were jealous of me. Yeah. And so, and also, their lives were shit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not being politically correct, I know. Well, there's, there, there's no political <laughs> correctness on this show anyway. Um, there's, there's an interesting podcast that I heard recently. James Corbett, who's a past guest on this show. Yeah. Um, a Canadian guy and it was only just yesterday it's interesting it wasn't as research for this uh, for this conversation I just happened to be listening to his latest podcast and he talks about something called spontaneous order which is exactly what we're talking about now it's it's true anarchism and what would happen if there were no laws no rules and he talks about spontaneous order and it's exactly what you've just described to me and I, I just find it absolutely fascinating that more and more people are actually waking up to this because you said that like, most people are, are generally peaceful and they don't go around killing but there's also this assumption from those that assume there would be chaos if there, if there were no rules or no laws that all of a sudden if the laws and the rules were taken away we'd all suddenly turn into killing machines and we go around killing everybody of course that wouldn't happen the laws don't actually stop anyone from doing it if someone wants to commit a so-called crime they commit the so-called crime yeah. I mean if laws worked we would have no murderers we would have no killings we would have no robberies Yeah, in my opinion yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend checking out James Corbett's Spontaneous Order podcast. And to go back to you then, Aaron, um, music is on the agenda for you. It's a big part of your life and has been, as you've discussed for now. So after school, what's the plan for you? Do you have a plan yet? Do you just go with the flow, or what would you like to do? And even in school, tell me about your music and what you want to do with it. Well, I love that question because I've ma- I'm asked it all the time. Been asked it since I was like eight. Mm. What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, mine is kind of different because yeah. my question isn't framed because I got this as well the whole time. Yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? And when are you going to get a real job? I still get it. When are you going to get a real job? <laughs> so I, I, I don't mean it in that sense because to me, there's no such thing as a real job. I mean, what's a job anyway? We do what we want to do that makes us happy. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that the rest falls into place. So if we need enough money in this this current construct to, to earn a living per se... Well, I, I truly believe the universe will provide that as, as long as I'm doing the right thing and as long as I'm engaging in self-love and obeying the natural law that exists in our world and in our universe. So for you then, have you any plans with regard to music? And I'm not necessarily talking even career. Like, what yeah. do you want to do? What do you want to create? What do you want to be? Or what are you already creating or being? Um, I want to do another album. We haven't talked about the, the first one, but I want to do another album. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to play with musicians because yep. um, the, the current album, which we can talk about in a second, yep. is 
I play all the instruments mm. and I record the whole thing and it was pretty lonely at times but it was fun mainly <laughs> um, so I want to do another album and um, I want to see what it's like to produce and see what it's like to, to work to work with musicians and work with music and I'm working on music videos and social media and looking at all that <laughs> so that's what I'm, I'm working on at the minute so would I be correct then in surmising that it's 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 very much for you about the journey that you're it's self-discovery in music right now as opposed to saying oh I want to be make a million dollars and I want to be famous no I don't want to be famous I don't want to be rich you see that's the thing because <laughs> most people that I talk to if I talk about music they say oh well I, w- I want to play in front of a million people and I want to you, do you know it's, it's, it's all this aspirational yeah. stuff and it's all linked and tied to money or the goal whereas you have just described the journey to me you haven't mentioned any of the goal and that to me is very interesting and I picked that up and you can correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. uh, this is a question I suppose sure. is that because for you it is about the journey even at this stage um, yeah yeah you're right you're completely right so it's basically about being happy yeah that, that's that's, yeah. that's all it's, it's about and I'm happy now mm-hmm uh, this is just the feature of me going to an indoctrination center every every day that <laughs> need to sort out. Um, <laughs> but um, apart from that, I'm pretty happy. As as I said, I think I'm the happiest person in the school because I'm not affected yeah. by all the negative vibes from the school and mm-hmm. from I don't get negative vibes from my parents. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, I want basically. I think. See, have you seen The Matrix? I have many yeah, times. You, you just you referenced it earlier. Yeah. On, I noticed actually, um, uh, but I think, like, and there's also stuff I've kind of heard about about Hinduism and, and, and religion and the idea that this is all just a game. Okay, that this is all just a play, which is kind of what The Matrix was about. That the whole thing was a simulation, um, which is which is which is a pretty prominent idea. And it, you know, it is just a game, isn't it? Yeah. So. Um, the point of the game really is just to make it as interesting as possible mm. you know to make it a really good game instead of go to, go to work every day or go to school every day and like the one thing I think everyone wants to do every day when they come to school is make it a different day to the other day yeah. so they look back on the day and there's actually something there, it's not just a blur Yeah. there's actually something which is what happens when it's a routine mm-hmm so as little as a little routines as possible anyway so but i just want to make it as interesting and as positive as possible so well i i know this conversation has been extremely interesting for me and the album is extremely interesting too zero tolerance tell me about the album okay i will um so we have it in front i'll have a look at the the cd now okay so zero tolerance um what it is it's my debut album I've been working on it for three years. When I met you, I started working on it because I, I remember I came into your studio. Um, I met you one day and I said that I, I like music. And I think I could play drums. I knew like three guitar chords and I could sing a little bit quite badly. <laughs> um, and you said, okay, send me send me some, some of the stuff you've done. Because I said, oh yeah, I've done stuff. Mm. And what I had done was I had recorded myself singing karaoke really badly. And I said, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I've done done stuff, yeah. And you said, okay, great, 
send it in. And I went, okay. <laughs> and I had listened to it and went, that's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Then I said, I have to send him something better than that. <laughs> and I sent you a One Direction parody. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah. Um, of me playing guitar. Um, no drums, I think. And singing. Just I just took the words to What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. You probably don't even remember One Direction. People don't tend to remember One Direction anymore. And it's interesting because only two years ago they were the biggest band in the world. Yeah. It seems... The biggest uh, act in the world, maybe. Yeah. But it's weird. That's why they're not on the album. No one remembers them. But this, that track hasn't ended up in the album. It's a Justin Bieber parody now. (laughs) (laughs) Even better. (laughs) Yeah, it is actually. Um, So... Oh yeah, so so that's what I sent in because I thought that um, from a pr- perspective of music, I, th- I thought One Direction were crap, basically, and I thought that their stuff was too formulaic. Okay, and I thought it was um, just made for the sake of making it mm. and made for the sake of making money, mm-hmm. which I think should not be what music is about. So I wrote that also about Justin Bieber because I had the same opinion about Justin Bieber. So, there's a song called Hate Me, which is um, taken from Baby by Justin Bieber, um, which is a parody of of Justin Bieber. The title track, Zero Tolerance, the song in the album Zero Tolerance, is about the principal of a school and the teacher of a school. A school? A school, yeah. As in a hypothetical school, or could it be a school, a real (laughs) school that exists? That's whatever school I have experience with, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, I think all the schools are the same anyway, so... <laughs> Unfortunately. And, like, wh- what are the themes you're examining? Because, I mean, you're, you're, you're conscious... Your music is conscious. I mean, obviously, I'm very familiar with the album, but... So, when you decided to make the album, was it... How did it come about? Like, was there, was there a grand concept for the album? Was it, I'm going to make a conscious album? Or was it a collection of songs that happened organically and then became the sum of their parts? The general idea with the album was... I was, I was um, around 12 when I came up with the idea for the album. And the idea was simply... Uh, music is good, but music is pretty boring on its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not put comedy to it? That was the idea. Yeah. That was... Um, I wouldn't do that now. <laughs> but I, it worked when, when I did it. When I did it then, and it, it became something unique. So, yeah, that was the idea. But I also had a specific kind of... I won't get deep into the, the theory behind it, but yeah. the, the songwriting concept, the idea of writing it from the perspective of the people you're talking about. See, if I'm... If, I'm, if you look at the likes of Rage Against the Machine, Muse these kind of revolution bands uh, just sort of you know they're bringing us down we have to write something and talk about how they're bringing us down it has to be anger but Mm. I expressed it differently I expressed it calmly and I expressed it from the perspective of the people so I played the character of the hypothetical teacher and I played the character of the hypothetical principal in the hypothetical school that has nothing to do with the school we just talked about <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> so I, play, I played those characters and then those characters sang the song which made it comedic and ironic yeah sure well 
to fully understand it, you have to hear the album. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we're going to do now, Aaron. We're yeah. actually going to listen to the title track from the album, which cool. is Zero Tolerance. And I'm going to get you to introduce it in your own time. So this is the title track, Zero Tolerance. And here it is. Enjoy. Right, first year, settle down. Settle down, first years. Uh, attention. Uh, uh, attention. 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 Last night I gave you all some homework. I'd like you all to take out the homework for me and just take out the homework. James, have you got your homework done? Uh, no, I don't have any homework done. Why not, James? Uh, I forgot. James, that is not good enough. I expected much better from you. Gillian, have you got your homework done, Gillian? Mm-hmm. I forgot to do homework. Why, Gillian, did you forget to do your homework? Mm-hmm. I just forgot. Gillian, much Tamara! Wait! Have you got your homework done, Tamara? No! Why not? Tomorrow, that is simply not good enough. I expected much, 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 much better from you. Michael, have you got your homework done? Oh, no, not homework. Why, Michael, did you forget to do your homework? I would like whoever has got their homework done. Could you, could you, could you, could you, could you, could you just, could you just put up your hand if you have indeed your homework done? Nobody has put up their hand. That therefore means no one has their homework done. And if no one has their homework done, that therefore means that no one has put up their hand. And if no one has put up their hand, that therefore means that no one has their homework done. And if no one has their homework done, that therefore means that... Well, how are we doing on that, no? Ah, uh, very good, Mr. Sackwood, very good. How are we doing good on that, no, Mr. Rebel? Yes, yes, very good, Mr. Sackwood, very good. Are we always doing our homework and bringing it in on time in that, no? Mr. O.G., do you do your seven to eight hours of study every single night and that, no? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yes, yeah. Right? You do your seven to eight hours of study. What time do you go to bed at, Mr. O.G., in that, no? Half eight, sir. Half eight. And you get home at four, don't you? 
Huh? Let me just do the maths there in my head. Right! That therefore means you'd have to be doing four hours of homework when you got home and still have another four hours to do when you'd be in bed. How does that add up, Mr. OG? I do my homework in bed, sir. Don't give me the cheek in that, no, Mr. OG. Give me an answer. I get up early in the morning to do my homework, sir. You're cutting it very close to the edge with that kind of routine in this road and that law. As long as you're doing seven to eight hours of study every single night and going to bed at a reasonable time, I don't mind. Anyway, is this a good class in that law, Mr. Rebel? second year's shoes and shove their heads up their lockers. I'm going to go now, boy. Right, class. Uh, I just want to take the room. Right. Have we got Chris? Chris, come back. I need to give you your homework. Have you got your homework? Your homework is question 7 to 13 on page 138. Have you got that? Uh, I want you to take note of that now. Take note. Oh, oh they're gone. Oh, come on now, come on. Play the guitar properly in that, no? Give it to me. Give it to me, give it to me. Oh, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give me the heart. Give me the heart. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. Yeah. Get down, get down, get down and study. Get down, get down, get down and study. Get down, get down, get down and study. Yeah. The names of the sack are on the top dot here. These are the girls who feel the fear. No school rule one. No chew and gum. If I see a chew and gum, I'll slap your bum. School rule two, no tomato sauce. Having tomato sauce is against the law. School rule three, no slamming the door. It's rude and it makes you look like a horror. Rule number four, do not make eye contact with the higher level students. Rule number five, never use incorrect grammar, literally, and at all. Rule number seven, the use of the number six is strictly prohibited. And rule number eight, no red pen. If I see a green pen now, zero out of ten, yeah. Zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance and that, no, zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance and that. Ten, no phones alone, your parents will not be proud. Rule eleven, no act in the mouth, you're not certain. It's not the 90s, stop living in the past. Rule 14, no coughing in class. Some manners at last, some manners at last. And that rule 15, no reference to COVID. COVID, who are kids? Rule 16, you are 
every day, eight hours of story, every single night. There are only a few school rules there. There are another 200 to go on that. So read up, spend your homework, and I'll test you on it tomorrow. And I don't want no sloppy M's, and I don't want no M's. I want a good six hours put in, so work on it, work on that. Zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance, and that. No, zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance, and that. Zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance, and that. Zero tolerance, zero, zero tolerance, and that. Does a stone count as a rock? in church now, Mr. O.D., I caught a glimpse of your underwear there, and it's the wrong color. Zero colors, zero, zero colors, not, no, zero colors, zero, zero colors, not, no, zero colors, zero, zero colors, not, no, zero colors, zero, zero Well, there's the title track from Aaron O'Dee's album Zero Tolerance and I would wager you've never heard anything quite like that before. Personally, I think it's absolutely fantastic and I'm looking forward to listener feedback on that as I'm sure you are as well, Aaron. So tell us a little bit more about what's on the album. Yeah, so there's a song about religion called Religion for Beginners and I play the character of a priest and he talks about um, what we have lined up when you join the Catholic Church Community of Faith. And when you when you join up with that and you accept that, there's a there's a couple of covers. There's a cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. There's a cover of All Along the Watchtower by Bob Dylan. There is Justin Bieber, which we've talked about. There's a song called Today's Problems, which is about today's problems, but the problems, minor problems, which mm-hmm. is um, the shower is too cold today. Okay. There's a, I can't think of a word to rhyme with the next word in the song. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a song called The Government's Plan. It's my personal, it's my personal favourite. It's about the government and their plan. And it plans out your entire life. It's what we've really talked about. It, it's, it basically, it's about the idea that the entire human life is wasted by the government, by the state, um, by Big Brother. <laughs> and... So it starts at the age of five. And from the age of five, you're brought into school, you're brought into public schools, and you're indoctrinated until you're 18. And then from the age of 18, you continue paying taxes and paying and going and going to your nine-to-five job. And eventually, you're an old-age pensioner. And, mm. and then you die. And that's the end of that. It's presented from the perspective of a politician. Okay. And The Ordinary Man is the next one. It's, it's kind of about the fear of procrastination Mm. or the fear of wasting your life essentially kind of similar to the government's plan but wasting it of your own accord and I think the key to that the wasting of the life is is media 
wasting your life because it's about a guy who sits on his arse all day watching TV and going on social media. Um, and that's 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 what the whole thing is about. And eventually, he kind of progresses into into heaven and looks back in his life and recalls the highlights. And the highlights are pretty boring. It's it's that whole idea of your life wasn't interesting. Yeah, you didn't achieve my utopian goal to to make your life interesting and make it if, if it's a game it was a pretty boring game yeah like yeah playing Scrabble you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the final there's a little bonus track as well so called The Guitar Is Showing Off and how can people get their hands on the album can they get in touch with you Aaron and can they order a copy or how would they go about hearing more of the music um, well You've apparently kindly included all the links to the page. If you want the website, www.arnod.com. My Facebook is Arnod. Instagram is Arnod. You can get it on Bandcamp. At some point, we'll be able to get it on SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and yep. all that. That's a work in progress. Hopefully, it'll be up by the time this interview goes out. So, there you go. Fantastic stuff. So, a parting message before we introduce uh, another song of your choice, Aaron. Um, a parting message for the listeners, um, perhaps an aspiration or what you would like people to glean from the conversation that we've had or an, any kind of last message for the listeners, I guess. The message is basically the meaning of life is... There, here, here, I'll tell you, the, this is pretty heavy now. Right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. The meaning of life is to make life as interesting as possible. And that's... That's how, how you do you do it. That's from the perspective of a fifteen-year-old who hasn't got a clue what he's talking about. There you go. Well, Aaron, I think you're you're, you're far too self-deprecating because I think um, age is absolutely irrelevant. If this conversation teaches us one thing or teaches me one thing, yeah, it's that age is completely irrelevant. Um, I, I think you know a huge amount and a huge amount beyond anybody who might far exceed your years according to the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. Um, I think it's very obvious that you have trained yourself to think critically, to express yourself in an entertaining manner in so many different ways, not just in conversation, but through your music as well and in lots of other ways. I really appreciate your sense of humour. I appreciate your time coming in to have a chat with me. This is it's just it's absolutely fascinating to get a first hand perspective on what it is like to be a 15 year old guy growing up in the world that we live in today because it's very different to when I was a 15 year old guy I mean I'm 38 now so it's not a million years ago that I was 15 but things have moved on so much and we tend to only hear that from the perspective as I said at the top of the show from the perspective of people who haven't lived through it as a 15 year old so I really appreciate that Aaron thank you very much and before we go I I would like you to introduce another song from the album so people can get another flavour and then can go out and get that album from your website. Lovely. I might as well introduce my favourite. It's the government's plan. So it's, uh, it's about the government's plan for your entire life, as I've mentioned. And here it is. Enjoy. And that's that's what I have to say. Thanks a million. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Aaron O'D. thank you for joining me on Alchemy today. Thank you. Well, lads, I'm a political man, and this is all based on a government plan. Basically, you never ask why, and there's only two things you must do 
pay taxes and die. You must have a license to have a TV. And a license for water, you see. As all the good citizens all know, water doesn't just fall from the sky, you know. But I'm not going to go on about loitering and lurks. We will start from the start, because that's usually the way it works.